What's up, family? How y'all doing? Welcome to Therapy Thursdays. My name is Isaac Curry, and I am so grateful that you are here. Come on, in the comment section, let's show love to every person who is here right now, ready for a word. Type in the comment section, I'm ready for a word. Thank you for taking your healing, taking your, your maturity to another level. We're excited. I'm excited because God has a word for you. Like always, I'm always looking forward to every single Thursday um, for Therapy Thursday. And right now, um, I'm going to ask you to turn your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 13. That's where we're going to go. But if this is your first time, please, in the comment section, let us know, cousins. You're, you're, you are cousins, your family. Let us know this is your first time wherever you are in the, in the world. Let us know where you're streaming from. Come on, family. Let's show our family some love. I'm going to pray with you, and I'm going to dive into our session for today. It's very simple, yet it's very complicated, and it's necessary. Um, so thank you for the feedback. Thank you for those who send emails, who stop me at church, um, who just correspond in many different ways, thanking Jerry and I for uh, the Therapy Thursdays. This is impacting people around the entire world, and I would not have known it. But I'm so grateful that we have an opportunity to um, just love on you and to pour in you. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? Without further ado, let me pray with you. God, our Father, I say thank you. Thank you, God, for today. Thank you for um, meeting us here. Thank you for every person who has carved time out of their schedules to be present because, God, they are waiting for you to speak to their hearts. Lord, we thank you in advance, God, because we know that you have manna, that you have a rhema word, that you have something for us today. So God, we are hungry for you. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for what you have done and we thank you for what you are about to do. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Somebody type again, I'm ready, I'm ready. Yeah, this is a necessary word. Hmm. Let me approach it this way. On April the 24th, 2021, there was a UFC match. That is Ultimate Fighting Championship, Mixed Martial Arts. Uh, it was 261. There were two particular men who were fighting. One was named Uriah Hall and the other one named was Chris Weidman. Chris Weidman is a former UFC champion. And so they were about to fight. The fight just begun. 17 seconds into this match, Uriah Hall goes to kick Chris Weidman, but Chris Weidman lifted his leg up to do what they call check. They, he blocked it. And at the moment he blocked the kick, he experienced a gruesome injury. Now, this is important because this is laying the foundation for what I believe God is going to speak to us about. And so he sustained a very gruesome injury, 
where both his tibia, his tibia and his fibula both had severed. His legs snapped in two and he fell back and the match was over 17 seconds. Immediately following that match, he had emergency surgery and the surgery went well. But sometime after the healing process, he received a correspondence from his physicians, experts, who said we have to go in and we have to have emergency surgery again. He didn't understand why, but then they explained. They said we need to go back in to the place where we had surgery and we need to apply some plates to both your, uh, your tibia, your fibula, right? We need to apply plates because of non-union. Now, he's a UFC specialist. He's a mixed martial artist, and he didn't understand what, what, it, what he mean when you say non-union. And so the physicians had to explain to him, non-union is a term we use when healing is dysfunctional. or defective. When healing is defective and the wound doesn't heal as expected, a term that they use is called defective healing. And they say because of non-union, we gotta go in and we gotta try to find a way to make these bones begin to connect. And so they went in they had surgery and eventually he experienced the healing that he thought he was already experiencing, but to his dismay, it wasn't working out the way he expected. Yeah, can y'all see where I'm going? Can y'all can see where I'm going? Sometimes you can do everything right and sometimes the pieces still don't come together. He went to the, to the doctor's office. He went to the hospital. They had emergency surgery. He did everything they told him to do. He rested and yet still something wasn't healing the way it was supposed to. And sometimes in our lives, you can do everything that is instructed and you'll look up and things aren't falling into place the way you, you thought they would. Sometimes you can think things are getting better. And to your dismay, you're not as far along as you thought you were. Sometimes you can follow the, the prescription. You can follow whatever the, has been told you to do. You can do, you, you prayed. You, 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 you stop hanging with certain people. You walked away from certain relationships. You, you, you reading your Bible. You're doing everything that was instructed. Why is it? It seems as though things are non-union. Things are not fusing together the way that you prayed, the way that you, you were told they would. Like, have you ever, I need to talk to my real folk. I'm talking about my real kinfolk, my, my, my real people. Have you ever looked up and realized, man, I'm, I'm not 
I'm not where I thought, where I thought I was. I think for this session, if I can get very brutally honest with you, as you do my, me, I want to title uh, our, 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 our conversation, I Thought I Was Over It. Somebody type that. I, I thought I was over it. Hmm. I'm, if I'm honest, I'm not as healed as I thought I was. Hmm. Now, now this is for the mature only. This is not PG-13. This is for the mature only. And so when I, when I reflected upon that occurrence with Chris Weidman, I looked at my own life and I, and I looked at the reality and I said, man, isn't that how life is sometimes? Like you, you can experience a break, a wound, you can pay a lot of money, you can do all the things right and still you have some setbacks. But luckily and prayerfully, he had the right mindset and so he did the necessary work so that now he's still fighting. Some people wouldn't have recovered. Some people don't. The devil doesn't want you to recover. The devil doesn't want you to get all of your healing. He wants you to settle for just enough. But I need some believers. I need some friends and family who will say, mm, close enough is, is it, it, that's, that's not enough. Mm -mm, that, that, that's not enough. I read a quote somewhere a couple of weeks ago and the quote read something like this. Are you healed or are you just isolated from people so that you're not triggered? When I read this quote, I was like, mm. like, are you really healed or are you just isolated from all the things and the people around you who can trigger you? It's a difference between suppression, right? And actual healing. Like, are you are you are you as healed as you think you are? And and there are some revelations that I've had in my own life, and I'm like, yo, I thought I was further along than what I what I actually am. And I'm gonna talk to you, but but when you think about that, I think many of us we heal enough to become aware of our trauma, but we don't heal to the degree that we heal from the pain that the trauma caused. I think one of the issues we run into is that we will do just enough work so that we're aware of who caused the trauma or we're at least aware that there is trauma, but then we don't continue to do the work so that we can actually heal from the ramifications or the reverberations that the trauma actually caused. Like we settle for the surface level healing, right? And for some of us, I, I love this quote, like, like, are you really healed 
Or is it just that you do a really sophisticated job with just separating yourself from the things that actually trigger you? Because if you're in close proximity to those things, that person, those people, oh, it will really begin to reveal the degree to which you have not healed and have not spent time in God's presence and have not actually gotten over it. Somebody needs to type. I thought I was over it. That breakup, that abandonment, that pain, that betrayal, that mistake you made. Hmm? But there's something that, 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 that I need you to know. Healing, so that you don't mistake it. Healing is not spatial. S-P-A-T-I-A-L. Healing is not spatial. Meaning that just because you're not in the geographical location of the thing that triggers you, just because you're not in close proximity to those things doesn't necessarily mean you've healed. It just means you're at a distance from the things that actually bother you. And many times what that will end up doing is setting you up for when you are in close proximity to that person or that thing, then you realize you're not as far along as you really thought you were. Healing is not necessarily spatial. Just because you're not in close proximity does not reveal heart work. Just because you're not in close proximity does not reveal you giving God access to the innermost parts of your life and your emotions. Just because you're not in close proximity and you have not been triggered, it does not mean that you have actually healed. Healing is not spatial. I have to talk to some of the people that I, that I counsel and that I consult, that I coach. It's like, I get it. Just slow down because at some point you're going to take that test again and you can't keep blaming the test. Like, are you actually ready for it? Healing is not spatial. Healing is not suppression. Somebody type suppression. It's not so much that you've perhaps healed. And we're going to look at Nehemiah 13. It's just an example of something that I believe can help us. Some of us, we do a really great job at, at suppressing the hurt, suppressing our emotions, suppressing our feelings. And it's not so much that you've grown and matured, it's just that you're sophisticated in how you suppress the things that bother you. You have hurt lockers, lockers filled with hurt and where you store all of your borrowed offenses and all of the offenses that you've experienced. Healing is not spatial, meaning that just because you're not in close proximity doesn't mean you're healed. Healing is not suppression. Just because you suppress it and hide it doesn't mean it's out of sight, out of mind. Some of us, we live that life as long as it's, it's not in sight, then it, it, it's out of mind. Mm. That's not healing. Real, authentic healing is not out of sight, out of mind. Well, I just cut your water off and I don't deal with it and now I'm over you. Mm. It could be 
I thought or you thought you was over it. Healing is not spatial. Healing is not suppression. And healing is not survival. Some of us have adopted the mantra, fake it till you make it. Probably one of the worst things that you could ever ingest or believe or subscribe to. Many of us have, a, have, have, have learned from our lives, from, from the things that we've experienced, that it's just survival of the fittest. I'm, I'm always, every day it's survival, it's survival, it's survival. Healing is not simply surviving. There is a life that God has for us, desires for us, that allows for us to actually thrive. So I want to rebuke the spirit that says, I'm just going to survive. I'm just, no, no, there's more for you. Somebody type, there's more for me. There's more for me. There's more for me. Healing is not spatial. Don't, don't, don't misunderstand your healing or your progression because you're not in proximity. Proximity does matter. Geographical location does matter, but that's not the totality of your work, right? Healing is not... Spatial, you know, healing is not suppression, how you hide it. Some of us are magicians, witchcraft. Some of us, we just know how to hide things so well. We could put makeup on, we could put, we can get our hair cut, we, we can dress up and we can look like ain't nothing wrong. We become so well at how we dress ourselves up. But that doesn't mean you're healthy or healed. Because it can still, you can still be experiencing non-unions. Healing is not survival. And I think what's powerful is when we look at Nehemiah chapter 13, it gives us an example of, of you're not really as healed as you thought you were. You haven't really came as far as you, you thought you came. If we look at Nehemiah chapter 13, just, just, take, just, just take a look at it. Look at it. It says... On that day, they read from the book of Moses, meaning that they were reading Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 3, right? And it says, in the hearing of the people, and, and it was found written, as they were reading the word of God, they found it written that no Ammonite, Moabite should, never come, should ever come into the assembly the association or the affiliation with God's people. And it says, because they had not met the children of Israel with bread and water, but hired Balaam against them to curse them. However, our God turned the curse into a blessing. So it was when the readers, when they read and they heard the law, they separated, somebody type separated, they separated the mixed multitude from Israel. Seems like it doesn't make sense. What's happening right now is God's people are in the process of restoring their lives in the book of Nehemiah. They have just returned back to Jerusalem and they restored their worship. 
right? Because they had been in bondage for 70 years. And so now they're returning back to Jerusalem and they've just restored the worship. They just restored the temple. They've just built the walls around Jerusalem. And so now everyone is beginning to re be restored and experience restoration in their lives. But after 70 years, they were reading the word of God and they read something that God spoke 800 years prior. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. They read something in God's word from 800 years prior where God spoke to their ancestors and they heard and they read and they heard what God spoke to their ancestors and it convicted them and it gave them a realization that they were not as far along as they thought they were. They had not experienced the degree of healing that they thought they had. Because in Deuteronomy 23 and in Numbers chapter 11 and even right here in Nehemiah, there was a group of people called the mixed multitude. These were a group of people who, who walked with, they were not Israelites, but they walked with the Israelites and everywhere the Israelites went, they went too, and they ate their food and they, they, they caused them to complain against God, right? They got them, they, they got these, these mixed multitude, they caused the children of Israel to rebel against God, right? These people, the mixed multitude had had upset God so much that God told them, you don't need to enter into worship with these people. These people betrayed you. These people are not for you. These people are causing you pain, right? God told their ancestors this back in Deuteronomy. 800 years later, their descendants are still in relationship with the people who cause them pain. Primarily because somebody's not talking about it. Out of ignorance, out of comfort, out of familiarity. Imagine restoring worship in your life. Imagine God being pleased with me because I, I, I've, I've rebuilt the, the walls of Jerusalem. We've done so many great things only to discover, slow down. There's still some things in your life that have remained untouched, unhealed, non-union. So as they're reading the word of God, they look around. Moses, Joshua, period of judges, even while they're in, in, in captivity, they still are finding a way to associate with people who caused them pain. And they didn't even know. What is it like to be living your life and not, not even realize that I'm not where I am? I thought, like, sometimes events occur to reveal to you, you still have some maturing to do, and you have to respond. Can I help you? For example, 
I have a beautiful son. I love him. I love how he looks at me. He just stares at me and he just stares with no expression as if he's trying to comprehend and understand the bondage that he's breaking. I love him to death. But he's carrying a burden my father gave me. What are you saying? So here's a confession that I've that I've had to work through and 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 still making sure that I'm working through. I love my son. But there's times in which I look at him and I have anger jolt through me that I have to bind that I'm bewildered as into what, what, what is that? Why is that? I'm, I'm looking at my son, loving my son, and in a moment's notice, anger, rage. And I had to, I had to really talk to God about it and I have a praying wife who's given me the space to navigate it. And you know what I discovered through prayer? Number one, man, I thought I was over it. I did the work. My father hadn't been in my life. I didn't meet him until I was an adult in college. Didn't meet that side of the family. Like, 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 yo, like, he spent more time in prison than, than in, my, in my life. I, I tried to pursue, I tried to, to, to build something, but he's not interested, but, but I dealt with it. Like, I prayed through it, like, like, like I, I, I've done the hard work. I Why is it that there's an inner child in me who looks at my son and sees that my son is getting what I never got. I can hold my son, I can look at my son, I can stop what I'm doing just to, 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 to dole on my son and the inner child is saying, I've been waiting on this opportunity to express my, my anger because nobody gave me attention. Nobody, nobody, nobody talked to me. Nobody, nobody played football with me. And I've been, I've been chasing, you know, affection uh, and validation my whole life. That's what the inner, the inner boy is saying. I thought I addressed the inner boy. I thought I addressed the inner child. I thought I was over it. Sometimes you will go through life. And as I said before, you may encounter something that may reveal to you. You still got some work to do in that area. Are you going to do it or are you just going to suppress it? But then the more I thought about it, I did do the work. 
But there's some things I could have never planned for. Like, there's no way I could have ever held a boy and prepared for that. So there's a part of the healing that can't happen until my boy is actually birthed into this earth realm. And now there are some emotions. Now there is some healing that there's some union that has to take place because there's some things that that just waiting on the opportunity. So now there's some things that I have. There's some emotions and, and there's some affirmations. There's some validations. There's some things that I have to face with oneself. But I thought I was further along than what I was. Yeah, I progressed. But some of us see healing as a destination instead of a journey. But some of us, your, your cuts, your breaks, the things you've experienced are so deep. You can't stamp a date on it to say, now I'm done. But you need the, the hard work. And so when I, when I realized that, I felt shame because of how I felt. Then I'm like, yo, but, but, but I've been walking around here unhealed. No, it's not necessarily that I've been walking around unhealed. There's aspects of my journey of healing that cannot be exposed until the right time. And now, because, because there, are, there are, Nehemiah teaches us when he uses the word separation, that there are various forms of breaking away from something and healing from something, right? You'll have the spiritual, the emotional, the geographical, and the mental, right? And, and what I mean by that, when you look at Nehemiah chapter 13, watch this. It says in verse 3, so it was when they had heard the law, they separated, uh, that they separated all the mixed multitude from Israel. And when you look at that word separated, when you study, when you do a word study of that word separated, like it is so weighty. It's not just simple as, oh, you go here, I go here. No, when you look at the word separated, like there are four different movements. And so I'm thinking about the process of healing, right? Like I believe that they were, they were entering into a newer element, a newer level of actual healing that began with the separation. But separation means four different things. It means to disjoin or break. That's the spiritual component, to disjoin, to actually break. It has to do with bondage, right? There is, when you think of separation and you look up that definition and you begin a word study, it literally means to disjoin, to break. That's the spiritual component. Like if you're going to heal from something, it's more than just walking away. It's more than just proximity. It's more than just physical location. It's more than just suppressing. It has to be disjoined, it has to break. Somebody type spiritual. And then it means to depart from a place. So the Bible says that they separated all the mixed multitude from Israel. 
there's more than just a physical separation. If it was just that easy, they would have done it 800 years prior. But some of us are still holding on to things that are keeping us in bondage because we think that healing is just saying goodbye. That's part of it, but that's not all of it. It means to disjoin or break because there's a spiritual component to everything that you need to break free from, right? And then there is the departing from a place. That's the physical location. That's the physical component. That has to do with location, somebody type location. There's the physical, the geographical. You have to walk away physically. Yes, yes, yes. And that's the part that I didn't realize. Because see, it's one thing to in the spirit prayer about, you know, the healing of fatherlessness. It's another thing to, to deal with it emotionally and spiritually. It's another thing when you have your son right there physically in your presence you've never seen before, that now you have to experience or encounter something that you've never encountered before. There is um, the departing from a place. Number three, when you think about what happened for them in Nehemiah 13 that helps us today, it means to literally shut out. When it says they separated, yes, they disjoin, broke, break away, they actually departed from a place, but it also means to shut out. That's the emotional component. It has to do with contact. One spiritual, one's physical location. Another one is contact, like shutting, like, like the emotional component. For some of us, what you're missing is you still in contact. You, you, like, you're still in, and that level of emotional attach, attachment is the reason why you, you're not over it, but you thought you were. It means to literally shut out emotions. Walking away from something, healing from something requires emotionally that you also walk away. Like you can't remain there. You got to be able to shut. You got to close that emotional door. Right. You have the spiritual component, the bondage and the spirit that needs to be broken, loosed. You have the physical component departing from a place. You have the you have also um, the emotional component where you're shutting out. But you also have the mental separation. That's the mindset. That's the memory. That's your thoughts. When the Bible says that they they need, they separated, they did more than just said, hey, it's time for you to go your way. No, I'm mindful now of my emotions, the spiritual, the physical location, but I'm also mindful of my mindset, my thoughts, my thinking. And when I think about myself and I think about me looking at my son and then realizing, man, <clears throat> I thought I was over it. There is a physical component, the proximity that now I get to deal with, not have to. For some of us, 
the great physician, God may reveal to you, hey, you still have some work to do. Will you do it? Like, will you spend the time actually dealing with you? Because my the greatest gift I can give my son is a healed father. Because he is breaking the bondage that I had to be entoiled with. But now that I can recognize, yo, there's an inner child that needs to be released. He was there, but he was silent. He was silent, get this. He was silent, he was quiet. Why? Because there was nothing in proximity to trigger him. So my inner child is quiet. I'm thinking I'm healed until I hold my son in my hands and then now the inner boy inside of me is triggered and then I'm like, yo, what's going on? Sometimes it's not that you're really healed. It's just that you're not in proximity to the very things that can trigger you and reveal to you or expose to you the degree in which you have yet to experience breakthrough. But we serve a God, even like in Nehemiah chapter 13. God will heal you. God will deliver you. You just got to be willing to do the work. But you're here. You're at the end of this session. Why? Because you want to do the work. Some may say, I thought I was over it. Others may say, I'm going to be over it. I'm going to get over it. I'm going to get over this. I'm going to get through this. Hmm. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercy, your grace. There are wounds in our lives that are not healing the way they need to heal. And God, we're asking you to perform surgery. We give you access to our lives to do what only you can do, God. We thank you. We bless you. We love you. Heal us, God. Make us whole. We thank you in advance. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all, we love you. May God be with you. Talk to you soon. Peace.